Hey everyone, this is Johnny Martinez, pastor of Restoration Church, and welcome to our podcast. We hope this podcast inspires you and encourages you as you seek to follow Jesus. We hope you enjoy the sermon. All right, turn with me this morning to Mark chapter 3, church. Mark chapter 3. We're going to be going through um, verses 7 through 12. I really hope this has been a really uh, just encouraging journey for you uh, as we've really taken a look at the, uh, uh, the gospel of Mark and really focusing in on the person and the work of Christ. Uh, I hope that through this study, your affection for Christ, your love for Christ has increased, that you've learned a few things along the way in this journey. Um, we have really, in the, last, in the first two chapters, we have seen really Jesus begin his uh, public preaching ministry in the region of Galilee. And so we've seen Jesus go from synagogue to synagogue, from area to area, Uh, casting out demons, uh, healing the sick, healing the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Uh, You know, he's been doing all that. But most importantly, what Jesus has been doing throughout this time is preaching the gospel, preaching the good news of the gospel, preaching the kingdom of God, and really caring for people's spiritual lives and spiritual salvation Uh, We just recently covered the five encounters that Jesus had with the religious leaders of the day, and Jesus won every single encounter. And if you remember from last week, uh, what happened at the very end of our text, uh, the, the, the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, they got together with a group of political leaders called the Herodians, and they now want to kill Jesus. They want to destroy Jesus. And so what Jesus does is he begins to withdraw. He withdraws to the Sea of Galilee. And that's where we're going to pick up our text uh, today in Mark chapter 7, or Mark chapter 3, verse 7 through 12. Also, I'm going to read just one verse in Matthew chapter 12. Uh, It's the same account, but from a different perspective in the gospel of Matthew. So here we go. It says this, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, Madumea, and from beyond the Jordan, and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. Matthew chapter 12, verse 15, just one verse. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, asking you to lead us and guide us in our study of your word. God, may your Holy Spirit speak to us powerfully here today. I believe that every single person here today in person or every single person tuning in online is here for a reason. 
God, open our hearts so that we can clearly hear from you, from what you're asking us, from what you want to do in and through our lives. God, help us at the end of today to fall more and more in love with who Jesus is, with the person and the work of Christ. Help us with create this heart of gratitude and thanksgiving for Jesus today. Lead us and guide us, Holy Spirit, in our study. Amen. Amen. I want to um, begin by just talking about this really, really famous guy. You might have heard of him. Uh, this guy, his name is Martin Luther, and he was a 16th century German monk, Martin Luther. If you've ever taken a history class, I'm pretty sure you've covered this guy. Uh, but after becoming a monk for 15 years, Luther tortured himself in an attempt to make himself righteous before God. Uh, Martin Luther prayed like crazy. He fasted like crazy. Uh, not only that, but he went to some extremes to earn God's favor, to earn God's righteousness. Uh, he would go without sleep for many days. He would whip himself. He would endure cold, cold, freezing weather without a blanket. Uh, and so he would do all of these things, these, these, these human efforts to try to earn his way to God, to try to earn favor and grace before God. And he did that for 15 years until one day, as he was studying the scriptures, he realized that it was impossible for, for him to earn his favor with God. It was impossible for him to muster up all of this energy and strength and good works so that he can find favor with God. He realized that he was only saved by faith in Christ, in Christ alone, not by good works. And so when Luther realized that we are saved by faith in Christ, by faith in Christ alone, he had this newfound freedom. Uh, he, he began to preach this true gospel. Uh, this is actually, some, I want to read you some of his words uh, when, this, when this was happening in his life. He says this, he says, at last meditating day and night by the mercy of God, I begin to understand that, right, that the righteousness of God is that through which the righteous live by a gift of God, namely by faith. L listen what he says here. Here I felt as if I were entirely born again and had entered paradise itself through the gates that had been flung open. So Martin Luther, when he, when he realized that we are not saved by our good works, by being a good person, by being a, a moral person, he realized, like, man, I feel like I've just been born again. I feel like I've been converted again. I feel like the gates of heaven just finally swung wide open to me. And during this time, Luther nailed his 95 theses to the doors of the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany. His 95 theses were an attempt to reform the Roman Catholic Church, not to divide it. And he spoke out uh, in these theses. He spoke out against the Roman Catholic Church selling indulgences. What, what are indulgences? Indulgences, basically, the, the Roman Catholic Church was selling salvation 
For example, if, if I wanted to buy the forgiveness of sins, I would, I would pay a certain amount, and the Roman Catholic Church would give me a certificate. And when I go to purgatory, uh, this intermediate state after you die, then, then I could get out free with, with, with less punishment because I, I bought these indulgences. Or if I uh, bought these indulgences for a family member, and maybe they passed away, and they're in this a purgatory, going through this refinement before the eternal state, then I could pay the Catholic Church. They would give me a certificate uh, to kind of forgive me of my sins. And so that's what they were doing. The Roman Catholic Church, they were, they were, uh, they were selling the forgiveness of sins. And that's how they would fund their work. And so Martin Luther shows up and he's like, no, this is wrong. Salvation, the forgiveness of sins is by faith alone in Christ alone by the work of Christ, alone. And he began to kind of speak out on this. He also talked about, he also spoke out about uh, the, the Bible and the authority that it should have on people's lives, that, that it's not uh, the Roman Catholic Church tradition and the Pope and then the Scripture. He's like, no, no, we got it all wrong. It's the Bible, then everything else. The Bible's the ultimate standard uh, for our lives. It's how we should conduct our lives. It's, it's God's Word that stands above everything else. Luther also reduced the Roman Catholic sacraments from seven to two. The two were baptism and communion. He taught that Christians were not under these man-made laws and traditions. Most importantly, he taught that one was saved by faith alone in Christ alone. And so in 1521, Martin Luther was called to an assembly at Worms, Germany, and when, when Luther arrived at this assembly, he thought that he was going to get into a debate. Like, he thought he was going to a debate, uh, but that's not what happened. Uh, Luther actually walked into a trial, uh, and, and this group of, 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 of leaders, of religious leaders, they said, uh, you know, Luther, you have to recant your beliefs. You have to go back on your beliefs. You, whatever you said, just take it back. It wasn't, it wasn't a, um, a dialogue. It wasn't going to be a debate. It was a trial. And they asked him to recant his views. And this is what he said. He said, unless I can be instructed and convinced with evidence from the Holy Scriptures or with open, clear, and distinct grounds of reasoning, reasoning then I cannot and will not recant because it is neither safe nor wise to act against conscience. I love these next words. Then he added, here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. He's like, I'm not recanting my views. God help me, but I ain't gonna take them back. Here I stand stand. One last thing about Martin Luther. On January 23rd, 1546, Martin Luther traveled to his hometown to settle family dispute between two brothers. And uh, he finally allowed them or helped them to reconcile. But he, at this point, he was 62 years old. He was weary from everything he had gone in his life. And he actually fell very ill and fell very sick. And so knowing that the end was near for his life, he wrote his last will and his last testament. And it began with these very words. 
He says, I am well known in heaven, on earth, and in hell. I am well known in heaven, on earth, and in hell. And boy, is that true. He, he, is known, he was well known in heaven when the gates were flung open and he was born again. He was definitely, definitely known on earth as he fought to restore the true message of the gospel. And he was definitely known in hell as he made it more difficult for Satan to keep people in bondage to a works-based salvation. Definitely known in heaven, earth, and hell. Here's the question I have for us. Can we, can you and I say the same thing that Luther said at the end of his life? Are we well known in heaven, on earth, and in hell? Let me ask it this way. Are we well known or are we unknown right now? Are we well known or are we unknown? My fear, church, is that many Christians will live their lives unknown. Unknown. Unknown by heaven, but living with this false assurance of salvation. Hey, I've gone to church. I've checked the box. I've come to the altar. I gave my life to Christ. But there's no fruit or evidence in their life, and so they are unknown to heaven. And my fear is that we would also have Christians unknown on earth, unknown by man because of the lack of love for God and the lack of love for people. My fear is that we would be unknown in hell because we are too scared and we are too busy to fight against Satan and his army. And I wonder, church, I wonder if Luther... When he wrote those last words, I wonder if he had today's text in mind. When he said, hey, I'm well known on heaven, on earth, and in hell, I wonder if he had today's text. Because Jesus, in today's text, we will see that Jesus was also known, very well known, in heaven, on earth, and in hell. And so that's what I want to see today in Jesus' life. And I also want to see what that means for my life and what that means for your life as well. So first, here's the first point of today. Jesus is known in heaven. Jesus is known in heaven. I read Matthew chapter 12, verse 15. It said this, Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all. And again, this is a very condensed version. Uh, you know, it's a very condensed version. Same story in Matthew's gospel. But Matthew tells us that Jesus was aware of this. What is the this? He is aware that the Pharisees and the Herodians want to destroy him. And so this right here is a display of Jesus's omniscience, meaning that he knows everything. He knows that the Pharisees and the Herodians were trying to be secretive about killing him. You see, but nothing in our lives, church, 
is hidden from Christ. Not one single thought, not one single thing in our hearts. We are laid bare in front of Christ because he's omniscient. He knows everything. Jesus knows all about us. And because Jesus was aware, this is not only a display of his omniscience, it is a display of his divinity, that he is God. He is God. He is divine. And all of heaven knows Christ because he himself is God. Also, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, we see in Jesus' baptism, the heavens were open to him. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus is known in heaven. The heavens open. The Father recognizes him. He affirms his ministry and affirms his life. Jesus is known in heaven. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Man, the the sky, the heavens are proclaiming Jesus as the creator of heaven and earth. Jesus is known in heaven as the all-knowing God. Jesus is known in heaven as the Son of God. Jesus is known in heaven as the uh, creator and sustainer of heaven and earth. Point number two, Jesus is known on earth. Jesus is known on earth. Mark chapter seven says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea and a great crowd followed him from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan and from Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many so that all who had diseases pass around, press around him to touch him. Here, Mark tells us how popular Jesus was and how well-known Jesus was. He says that a great crowd followed Jesus, that a great crowd heard what Jesus was doing. It was not just a crowd, but it was a great crowd. And so Mark adds this word great to let us know that it's a bunch of people following after Jesus uh, scholars and theologians say that it was about in the tens of thousands of people that were actually following after Christ. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, Mark's, here's what Mark's trying to do. It's kind of like when you go to an event, when you go to an event and someone asks you about it and they say, hey, you know, was, it, was there a lot of people there? And what do you say when there was a lot of people? Man, it was jam-packed, right? There was tons of people or it was popping, you know? Some of you guys probably don't use that, but I do. I use that. But you're just like, there was just, it was packed, man. It was, everybody was there. Obviously, everybody wasn't there. But that's what Mark is trying to do as he writes this gospel. Hey, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people following Jesus. And he also tells us from where they were coming from. 
he says some people were coming from Galilee, which is Jesus' home base of operation. We kind of covered that over the last couple of weeks. People were coming from Judea, which is the area south of Galilee. People were coming from Jerusalem, the chief city in Judea, uh, which was about 100 miles uh, from the Sea of Galilee. Uh, people were coming from Idumea, a region south, even more south of Judea. It was about 130 miles from the Sea of Galilee. So think about that just for a second. The people that resided in Idumea. It was about 130 miles. So 130 miles, I did a little research. I got on Google Maps, and I said, okay, how far is Flagstaff from here? And it's exactly about 130 miles from here. So just think about that for a second. They heard what Jesus was doing, healing the sick, uh, you know, giving sight to the blind, casting out demons. They heard about Jesus. And, and they just thought, man, if I could just go and, and, and see Jesus and get a glimpse of him and touch him, and they began traveling by foot, most likely, 130 miles from here to Flagstaff. I mean, just think about the desperation that they were going through, the need in their heart and in their lives for them to travel such a long distance to simply be touched by Jesus. Mark also tells us that it was an area beyond the Jordan, which is the east side of the Jordan River. This area was called the Decapolis. Also, he said there's an area, people were coming from Tyre and Sidon, a region northwest of the Sea of Galilee. And these were two cities right on the Mediterranean Sea. And so really, this, was, this is what Mark is doing. This is his point for telling us this. Hey, there was a lot of people coming, uh, tons of people, and they were all different. They were both Jews and Gentiles or a non-Jewish person. That's what a Gentile is. And so all types of people, Jews and Gentiles, were coming to Jesus. You see, Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, they had a lot of Jewish people in those areas. Idumea was kind of a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. Jordan, uh, Tyre, and Sidon, were, they were mainly Gentile people. So we, you had, Jesus had all kinds of people following him. In our day and age, Jesus has gone viral. I mean, that, that, that's what's going on right now. Jesus has gone viral. If Jesus had a social media right now, he would definitely be trending. And people would be following him for sure. He was going viral. And all of this was done through organic growth, word of mouth. Jesus didn't pay for likes or he didn't pay for followers. And it's okay if you've paid for likes and if you've paid for followers I forgive you. It's totally cool. But he was going viral. And Mark tells us that the amount of people was so great that Jesus actually tells his disciples, hey, have a boat ready for me. Like, it's, it's going to get crazy, and so make sure that you have a boat ready for me. And Jesus wanted to use this boat as a kind of a crowd control. Jesus, what he would do is he would preach and teach the gospel from a boat. And so he, he would kind of be, you know, 10 or 20 feet offshore and he would preach from there. 
And, and Jesus said, hey, you know, have this boat ready in case people start pressing around me too hard. I could jump on the boat and teach from there. Mark tells us also why people followed Jesus. He tells us why people followed Jesus. In verse 8, he says, because they heard all that he was doing. Verse 10 says, because he was healing many people. That's why they followed Jesus, because he was healing people. He was healing. He was providing for people. He was restoring people. He was saving people. He was giving people hope. He was giving people joy. And so people heard everything Jesus was doing, and they begin to follow after Jesus. Many scholars and theologians actually believe that Jesus banished all disease and all sickness in the land of Palestine during this time. Just think about that. That he practically banished all sickness, all disease from this area. And so Jesus then heals people. And I believe that Jesus' healing ministry was a display of his compassion for the crippled. It was a display for his love for the lost. It was a display of his service to the sick, of his patience for all people. I mean, just think about that. How much patience do you need when thousands upon thousands of people just want to talk to you and be healed by you? It was a display of his power over the powers of evil. Jesus was known by people because he loved people. Jesus was known by people because he loved people. He took time. I mean, just think about this. Jesus, if he wanted to, he could heal everybody at once. Again, he's God. He could do whatever he wants. Hey, everyone, thanks for coming. You're all healed. Have a great night. But he didn't. Person by person, conversation by conversation, Jesus healed people. And they knew him because he displayed love towards them. They knew him. Jesus loved people enough. I want to say this too. Jesus loved people enough to go beyond their physical need and meet their spiritual need. That's how much Jesus loved people. Hey, hey I'll heal you and, and I'll, I'll help you walk again and I'll restore your withered hand. But I'm also going to preach the gospel to you. I'm also going to tell you about the kingdom of God. I'm also going to tell you about the spiritual salvation that is offered to you. He not only wanted to, he, Jesus not only wanted to meet their urgent need, he wanted to meet their most important need, which was a spiritual need. So caring for people's physical need is good. Absolutely, it's good to do that. But caring for their spiritual need is best. And that's what Jesus was doing, and that's what he was known for for his love, for his care, for his compassion, for his kindness, for his preaching of the gospel and preaching of the kingdom. So Jesus is known in heaven. Jesus is known on earth. And then lastly, Jesus is known in hell. Jesus is known in hell. Verse 11, and whenever the unclean spirits saw him, 
they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. So Mark tells us that when Jesus came into contact with a person who had a demon, they fell down before him. And so this is a posture of defeat. I mean, they're defeated. They've lost the fight. It's a posture of surrender. They surrendered to Jesus' power. They've surrendered to Jesus' presence. They fell down. And notice what they say. They cried out. They knew who he was. All hell knows who Jesus is. They said, you are the son of God. You're the son of God. We know who you are. The demons knew exactly who Jesus was. Earlier on in Mark chapter 1, they actually call him the Holy One of God. You better believe that all of hell knows who Jesus is. What is very interesting, though, is that demons know who Jesus is, but most people don't know who Jesus is. Most people think at this time that Jesus is simply just a miracle worker. That's all he is, some kind of magician, some kind of genie. But he's not. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the Son of God. He's the King of kings. As the Son of God, Jesus shares the Father's glory, power, and authority. And so when these demons begin to cry out, Jesus says, hey, you need to shut up. He says, don't be telling anyone of who I am. Now, why does Jesus do that? Well, two things. It's the wrong source. It's the wrong source. He doesn't want demons doing his marketing. You know, Jesus could do his own marketing. It's it's the wrong source, and it's the wrong terms. Jesus wants to make himself fully known in his own time and his own terms. And so he tells the demons to be quiet. I don't need your help. I don't need your marketing. I don't need your advertisement. I could do it on my own. So what does this mean for you and I then? I think you might know where I'm going. What what does this mean for you and I. Here are three questions that I would like you to ask yourself moving forward today, this week, tonight. Number one, am I known in heaven? Am I known in heaven? Am I known by God? Am I known by Christ? Am I truly known? Do I know Christ and does Christ know me? As I mentioned earlier, there's so many people, I'm telling you, the greatest burden that I have in my heart, let me open up my heart for just a second, the greatest burden that I have in my heart, the greatest thing that just makes me wake up every single morning is lost people, people who don't know Jesus. In addition to that, people who claim to be followers of Jesus, yet are not truly saved, that are not truly converted, that that, that have this false sense of assurance, that they think they know God, but they don't know him. They know about him. That's a big difference. I think people will miss heaven by 18 inches. It's one thing to know about, and it's one thing to actually know him. 
Are you known in heaven? Matthew chapter 7, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and, and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Listen, confession doesn't equal conversion. Just because you confessed Christ and say you believe in him and you talk to him and talk about him doesn't mean you're converted. I mean, scripture says that even demons believe in God. And we've seen it here that demons confess that Jesus is the son of God. So confession or posting stuff on spiritual and religious stuff on your social media, that is not conversion. Participation is not conversion. Hey, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do all these things? Didn't we go to church? Didn't we go to small group? Didn't that one time I walked down the aisle and, I, and someone prayed for me and I prayed a prayer and, and, and I was saved, but there's no fruit after that. There's no perseverance. There's no passion for God. There's no hatred of the sin that you once loved or a pursuit of the God you once ignored. Do you, do people know you? Does heaven know you? Check yourself, church. I know I'm a little fired up, but I'm telling you, man, that wakes me up at night. And it wakes me up early in the morning. Just to see you come to know Christ. It's about who you know. It's about who you know, isn't it? That job, that promotion, you know, that break that you need. It's all about who you know. Uh, my, we, I was having a conversation with my cousin a couple days ago and talking about college and talking about career and all that. And a lot of times, you know, it's, it's not about having the diploma or having the, the degree. It's, man, it's who do you know? Who do you know? You got connections. That's how heaven is too. It's who you know. It's not about what you do. It's about who you know. Do you know Christ? Does he know you? It's about Christ. It's about placing our faith in Christ, repenting of our sin. It's about faith in Christ, in Christ alone. It's not about your good works. It's not about, hey, let me get my stuff together and uh, then I'll give my life to Christ. No, God wants you broken, messed up just the way you are. You don't have to get everything together. It's about faith in Christ and Christ alone. It's not faith plus something else. Faith plus, I'm gonna try to be a good person. Faith plus, I'm gonna be a moral person. Faith plus this, faith plus that. You see, because faith plus anything ruins everything. Faith plus anything ruins everything. And it's that simple. It's a faith in Christ, in Christ alone. Number two, 
Am I known on earth? Am I known on earth? And again, this isn't just a, hey, I want to be known because it's about me and I want the spotlight. It's not about that. It's about this genuine desire to obey God. It's a genuine desire to love God and to love people. Are you known on earth by reflecting Christ to other people? We see Jesus's healings, right? He was compassionate. He was loving. He was kind. He was gentle. He was encouraging. He was truthful when he needed to be truthful. Are you known by people here on earth as a reflection of Christ? Are you known as a person who's compassionate for the broken, who has a love for the lost, who serves, and even if it hurts, you serve people, you sacrifice for people? Are you a person that is known as being patient? Are you a person that is known as being powerfully, uh, powerful spiritually, that when, man, they just are in need of someone, that the Holy Spirit is working powerfully through you. Are you kind and gentle? Are you generous with your time, your talents, your treasures towards people? Are you known on earth? And lastly, am I known in hell? Am I known in hell? I'll tell you this. If you are known in heaven and you are known on earth, I will bet anything that you are definitely known in hell. If you are known in heaven and on earth, you will be known in hell. Church, this is my prayer for you today. My prayer for you and for your life is that you would be known in hell just as much as you would be known on earth and in heaven. That whenever you wake up in the morning, all of hell trembles. That when you wake up in the morning, all of hell begins to panic. That when you wake up in the morning, All of hell knows that they're in for a dogfight. That when you wake up in the morning, you take your first step on the floor. That all of hell flees from your friends, from your family, from your neighbors, and from your community. That when you wake up in the morning, my prayer for you is that you would give hell some hell. Amen? May you be known. In hell. May you give me hell. Church, if there's one thing I want you to take away from this morning, it's this. Just one thing. Be known to make him known. If I could just summarize it in one sec, in, 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 in one sentence, it's that. Be known to make him known. I don't want to be known on heaven, in heaven, on earth, or in hell, for my own sake. I want to be known so that he can be known. For the glory of God, for the praise of God, for the spotlight to be put on God and not myself. If you don't know Christ today, 
personally, I plead you to come to him. I beg you to come to him. Whether you're here today in person or you're watching online, or maybe you're watching this sometime during the week or a month or a year from now, wherever you're at. If you don't know Christ, if heaven doesn't know you, would you come to him today? You might be saying, well, I'm broken. I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. God could never receive me. Man, you're a perfect candidate to come to Christ. We're all broken. We're all messed up. And that's the beauty of the gospel. Come as you are. You don't have to have it all together. But come as you are. Repent and place your faith in me. Repent, turn away from sin, and place your faith in me. Place your faith in my work on the cross, not your good works, because they're not enough. But in my work on the cross, my blood that was shed for you, See, I mentioned earlier that people would come to Jesus because of all the good things that he was doing in their life. And if you don't know Christ today, and you know what, you have it pretty good, those good things in your life, they're from God, not to simply just make you happy, but so that they can point you to him. God's provision Blessing is to point you to the ultimate blessing. Would you come to him today? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love for people. That you show us how to love people, how to care for people. God, thank you that you are known in heaven, on earth, and in hell, because if you weren't known in heaven, on earth, and in hell, God, we'd be lost. There'd be no hope, no joy, no forgiveness, no freedom. And God, I just pray, there's anyone here today or watching online that doesn't know you, Will you work in their hearts right here, right now? Would you draw them to you? Would you comfort them? Would you give them peace? Would you give them this sense of assurance that they are your children? Holy Spirit, work in their hearts, work in our lives. Allow them to repent of their sin, to make a U-turn in their life and just make a beeline towards you, Jesus. Place their faith in you. It's not about praying a prayer. It's not about checking a box. It's not about coming to the altar, God. You could save in their seats right now, in their couches at home, in the car, at work, wherever they're watching. You could save anywhere. If we come to you with a genuine and open heart. God, I pray for believers today too. Believers who have gotten bored with you. Believers who have gotten complacent and truly are are living 
as undercover Christians, not known by heaven, not known by people on earth, uh, by the way they live and by the way they love, and definitely not known in hell. May you awaken their hearts today. May you awaken their minds today. Draw us to you, Jesus. Give them joy. Give them that passion and zeal they once had for you, God. Work powerfully. And God, may we be known so that you can be known, God. To you be the glory. To you be an honor. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. If you feel led to give, please use the link below as we seek to make a difference in people's lives. Also, please make sure to share this with your family and your friends. Again, thank you so much for listening.